You're listening to Daughter, a podcast created specifically for women to help them walk confidently and boldly in who God created them to be, with your host, Kelsey Shears. To stay connected, you can find Kelsey on Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> we'll just have to have a hack, uh, like a, ha- a, a hacking break, and then you'll have to edit that out. <laughs> We're both like... <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out though. I'm going to, I'm leaving it in there. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, my Anyways. Okay. Hello ladies. Thank you for hopping on here and listening. Um, as you can see from the title of this podcast, I have my very pregnant younger sister, Leah, as a guest today. I'm very excited about this because uh, Leah is pregnant for the first time and just to give everyone a heads up who are listening to this. You may notice that halfway through this podcast, the audio might change and sound a little different. I don't know. It may or may not happen. The reason being is months ago, like back in June, uh, Leah and I were together with our family in Maine and we recorded this podcast there together. And... For whatever reason, um, technology decided to not cooperate that day. And the first half of our recording did not save. Um, And we did get the second portion um, in the very ending of this podcast. So we're redoing the first portion. And I didn't want to redo the entire podcast because I think Leah shared some really good information during the second half. Um, that I didn't want to try to just recreate and not have it be authentic and genuine. So just as a heads up, right now we're recording this first half. It's September. Leah is in Illinois. I'm in Massachusetts. So we'll see how this goes. Um, (laughs) When we first tried this out, Leah, we mentioned Leah was 23 weeks pregnant or 23 weeks from birth. I don't remember. Do you remember Leah? No, but. 23 weeks pregnant. I don't think people typically count down how many weeks they have. Oh. I mean, they do, but yeah, that's okay. 23 well, weeks. I currently, we're, we're counting down because she is officially today at the three-week mark of her due date. So she's yeah. she is technically three weeks away from giving birth. It could happen before that, after that. It could happen. Please don't let it happen right now because... <laughs> I mean, actually, that would make for an awesome podcast if we got like live audio footage of you in labor. I don't know who would listen be- to that, but that would be awesome. It's got its audience. It's got a, it's got, it's got, it's got those weirdos out there that yeah. perverts. Anyways, um, don't let that happen, Leah. Just keep it in. Stay strong. <laughs> Let's get through this. Uh, so yeah, joining me today is my sister, Leah. Um, and she, we're going to just kick things off here with, um, I'd love for Leah to share with everybody her, her testimony and kind of the journey that she and her husband Elijah were on um these past couple years in trying to get pregnant and just how everything went so Leah yeah tell us I'm... everything start from <laughs> the beginning the dirty deeds all the dirty deeds I'm definitely um happy to be here and um be sharing the story because um I think that a lot of women um, struggle with different varying levels of getting pregnant um, and whatever 
phase of life that they're in, um, it's hard no matter what. And it's hard no matter how long you've been trying and stuff. So um, yeah, happy to share. Elijah and I um, have been married for about four and a half years as of now. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got back, married back in like May of 2019. And I was like, I mean, we both got married young. We were both 21. And we were just like gung ho about like living our lives, being independent and um, just like enjoying each other's company. Mm -hmm. Um, And I truly don't think that there will ever be enough time to just enjoy being with you and your spouse and like not starting a family quite yet. Like there's never enough two of us. And so that's something that I was like struggling with a little bit um, over the first few years of like, I wasn't didn't have the baby fever yet, like wasn't dying to get pregnant or start a family, but knew that I wanted to be a young mom. Like I knew that I would love to be 50 with my kids out of the house and then have like, you know, the rest of my life to spend as an empty nester with my husband and like having built our own little legacy already, you know? So I I Mm. always knew that, but I just didn't want to give up on our time together um, quite yet. But I think it was it was actually like the day after my 24th birthday. So we had been married um, almost three years, I guess two and a half at that point, maybe. And we just kind of like, it was just a random conversation and it was, it came up out of the blue, but I think we both knew where our hearts were at, where we were like, Hey, like, let's stop taking the birth control. Let's, let's actually do this thing. Like, let's see it Mm -hmm. happen. Um, And so that was like super exciting. And that wasn't, so that was August of, um, 2021 and uh yeah we were like giddy and we thought it was going to happen really quickly and like every Mm -hmm. moment was really exciting and whatever but um I remember I had actually went to uh gone to Florida to visit his family in October he wasn't able to join me because he was in pilot training um but I went down there and at that point I'd been a couple months of trying you know we were I was off birth control And I remember I had all these weird like hormonal symptoms and I was like, oh my gosh, I must be pregnant. But I was like, there's no way I'm going to take a test without him. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't say anything to his family. I was just like giddy and weird. And like, probably they probably thought something was wrong with me because I wasn't acting normal. But, um, I remember getting on a plane like to get home and Elijah picked up a test before he even picked me up at the airport. We like ran home and I, I took it. And we even videoed it, you know, like I've seen mm. so many of those cliche videos where they're beautiful. All of them are beautiful, but like they're filming themselves and their reaction to the test. And I was so convinced, like I thought, thought I had every symptom in the books. Turns out it was just symptoms of probably like getting off birth control and my body like re-regulating itself. And so it's actually like a really hard video to watch. Um especially over the next, like, like, you know, followed afterwards, it was really hard to go back to and watch because we both were so excited. And then our faces just completely fell when like the word negative popped up. Mm. And I mean, you know, immediately we turned off the video and I just remember sobbing like so hard. And um, Elijah was kind of like taken aback. He was obviously disappointed, but he didn't realize like how much I had like gotten my hopes up, but I realized how badly I did want to become a mom because of that. So it was a moment that was really important for us to go through, um, for me to fully realize like, okay, I actually want this. You know, you got the opposite answer of what you thought you were looking for and it truly hit home. And so, um, 
after that, we were really confident that this was like the right thing to do, that we were in the right phase of life to continue trying. Um, lo and behold, we didn't, I mean, spoiler alert, we did not get pregnant um, eight, until 18 months later. And so those 18 months were full of up and downs. Um, one, I was appreciative of the moments when it was just us and I wasn't pregnant and we could go out with friends and we could do fun things. And we actually moved during that time and it was really stressful and there was a lot of manual labor involved on my part. And when he was like away at training. And so there was little moments where I was grateful um, knowing that like God's timing hadn't come through yet, mm -hmm. but the majority of the moments uh, were the hard ones, just a lot of pain, a lot of confusion um, and a lot of questions. Uh, we met some friends. We actually moved from Mississippi to Illinois during that time frame, And we met some friends who have actually been trying at that point for about a year and a half. And she told me that she didn't go to the doctor to get like checked until a year. Cause they say like to wait a year uh, of trying before you go. She's like, don't wait a year. I got answers um, that I should have gotten months before um, mm -hmm. when I went. So that summer it had been about 10 months um, of trying. And so I was like, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, see what they have to say. And so met with a doctor on base here, um, OBGYN, and we did a series of tests and they were uncomfortable. Like they, I had to do like a glucose test, a blood test, a, a B and C, whatever. Turns out um, July of 2022, I was told that I was, uh, had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that was like a very complicated moment because I was, a part of me was grateful that there was answers, like why we weren't getting pregnant yet. Mm -hmm. um, but a bigger part of me was just downtrodden that there was an actual issue and it wasn't just my body re-regulating, you know, after getting off birth control, because that's what my doctor said initially. He's like, it's probably nothing to worry about, blah, blah. So it was hard because I, I wanted answers. I wanted a, a, something to fight against and not just this like unknown of why my cycle wasn't happening and why I wasn't regular and all this. Um, I remember telling Elijah and just immediately like bawling and like losing it, you know, um, yeah. but at least there were answers or whatever, but my doctor immediately started to push, um, you know, medication and options going forward because basically PCOS just means that your body doesn't ovulate either at all or, um, in the cycle that it's supposed to, you know, so mm. women were supposed to have a cycle every 28 to 35 days ish, something like that. And so my, I had, I had probably had two, three periods, um, in that span of 10 months. Um, so it was like really hard. I never knew what my body was doing. I was taking ovulation tests like all the time. Um, nothing was showing up positive. I never knew what to expect. So it was just really frustrating not knowing my own body. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, and also a sidebar, I actually didn't tell anyone in our family here. So Kelsey, my wonderful, lovely sister, didn't know that I was going through this. And yeah. um, I didn't hold that back because I didn't care about my family. I did it because I so badly wanted it to be a surprise. Like I just pictured telling Kelsey and my parents and my rest of my siblings and just having them be blown out of the water. You know, I did the whole thing like, oh, well, Christmas is coming up. If I get pregnant before Christmas, I can do some cute thing where I reveal it, whatever. So um, 
looking back, I don't know if I would have done that the same. We did tell friends and um, church family here in Illinois and friends back in Mississippi, like a couple of them that we were trying. So we had people on our side and, and rooting for us and praying for us. But yeah, so that was really, really hard to get that news and then not know what to do with it um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to lean on medication quite yet. The medication they were he was telling me about, my doctor was like so many terrible symptoms. And it was just like, it basically would force my body to ovulate and then everything would have to be timed after that. I'd have to come in for an ultrasound to see how it impacted my uterus. I'd have to like time intercourse with Elijah. It would be uncomfortable. It could be painful because of the effect of the drugs. And it just felt so manufactured. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that like, it's not a, an amazing answer and um, a, a form of support for women who uh, need it because, mm-hmm. you know, that was like, at that point, he was making it sound like it was our only option. And mm-hmm. for a lot of women, it might be, you know, but I just- Well, I think that's, had... yeah, sorry to interrupt. That's... No, please. I think that is the, like, I don't know. It's like, I have to choose my words very carefully here in this t- in this subject, because um, that's where spiritual discernment needs to come into play big time. And like, mm-hmm. that is why everything goes back. Everything ties back to being grounded in the word of God and knowing what the word of God says. So any issue that you're going through, you can find the answer to in the Bible, period. Like that's what it's for. And that's what God intended for us. Um, and I, I know what you're saying of like, you know, I, I don't, it was hard to know what to do with that information at first because your doctor's talking like here, this is the solution period. There's no other option, but you as a believer, and I know you've also, that was a couple years ago when you got that information. So since then, and where you are now, you've grown a lot in your faith you've, you've grown a lot in your knowledge and understanding of the word. And so you may have had a, maybe a slightly different, um, uh, opinion or whatever, when you first got that news, even though you still didn't want to just jump into taking medication, but that is where it's so important to have that discernment because like John and I have come a long way as well in our spiritual knowledge of, of knowing and understanding, like, what do we as Christians, as children of God, what do we have authority over and what do we have? We have biblical rights as children of God. So being, having full healing, physical healing here on earth, that is a right that we have as Christians. Um, Having a baby, a healthy baby, like a lot, I hear a lot of women, even Christians say like, if they had a miscarriage or if they're not getting pregnant and they just they jump to the conclusion of, oh, it might, it must not be God's will, or it was God's mm-hmm. will for my baby to die. No, like hell to the no, sorry. Like that is not God's will. And I used to think that way too, growing up. Like I just didn't have that understanding of, you know, I just, I just took anything that happened, whether good or bad. Oh, it's God's will. It's God's will. And it's like, no, God doesn't cause those things to happen to us. There's an enemy out there that when we have the understanding of what we have authority over, we, we can now take authority over what the devil's plan is to try to destroy our lives and steal from us. And now we have the understanding of what God's will is, and we can fight that spiritual warfare. And 
that is why discernment is so important. So on the flip side of that though, like if somebody does, like, for example, you went, I'm so glad your friend said like, Hey, don't wait to get checked out, go to the doctors, just get tests done and see what this issue is. Um, because then there's the other extreme where Christians are so much like, you know, nope, I'm, I'm not, they're so, they're so against doctors period. Like, yeah. I'm not going to go to the doctor. I'm not, I'm just going to keep praying, keep praying. That's great. Like, I'm not saying don't do that and don't, you know, go back to what the word says, but there's nothing wrong with, if you feel like you need to go get those tests done, like that's kind of a good thing because now you name, you have a name to this issue that's in front of you. Now you can pray against exactly what's going on because now you know yeah. what's, what's going on. And it's not that you're necessarily it's not like claiming it over my body. Right. I'm, not, I'm not letting it have control over my body. Like exactly when I got the diagnosis. Well, that's, that's just what I mean about like having that discernment, like go get your, go get the test done, figure out, you know, what is physically going on in my body. You don't have to, you're not claiming and accepting that report over your body because you know what the word of God says, you know, why Jesus Christ died for you. It wasn't just for your salvation and your sins. Thank God he did. Yes. Like if that was the only thing he died for, that's more than enough, you know, like plenty. Yeah. Right. But the understanding that John and I came to a few years ago was like, wow, he died for more than that. He died for our healing. He died for the desires of our hearts. Like God knows that you want a baby. He put that desire in you. So why would he play this tug of war game with you and, you know, put you through a miscarriage or put you through something that is, is, um, preventing you from getting pregnant. Like he's, Mm -hmm. that's not his will. So that's just what I mean about like having that discernment and knowing, like, I'm glad you went to get checked out. But like you said, you're not claiming that issue because Jesus already did like, that's been taken care of at the cross. So now but now you can walk in that authority and the victory in the victory you have to like overcome that. Yes, so, exactly. And I think my first inclination, in. no, that was perfect. Perfectly explained because my first inclination was to just be depressed, like about the yeah. diagnosis and just feel hopeless. But then I, when the doctor started pushing the medication and like, uh, it just didn't feel right. And looking back, I absolutely think it was spiritual discernment of like, this isn't what's meant for me. You know, I, I don't want to take this path. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's not an option and it's not a good, an okay option for a lot of women, but like, I'm not one letting this diagnosis keep me from continuing to try to have a child. And two, I'm not letting it have control over my hope and yeah. like have that fear set in of just like, Oh, well, like this is the only, you know, cause there's something called biblical science. Like God, yeah, the whole thing, like, I'm not going to go to a doctor and and get treatment or answers, I think is is not the most wise thing, you know, because God gives us resources in our life to um, get answers. And, you know, there are wise doctors out there. And I'm not saying that my doctor wasn't, it was just like his first inclination was like, okay, this is what we do. We, the next step is medication. Mm-hmm. And so um, th- the thing I wanted to talk about too is like I didn't grow up like we I, I never learned 
in church or in Bible studies and, and kids programs and all this stuff. Like you're not taught, or at least I wasn't, that when you are angry and sad and and just full of despair to take that to God. Like I was never taught that I could do that. Like when I was upset about something, I think that like the advice I would hear was like, oh, go pray about it, you know? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, go lament, you know? And so yeah. when I, I actually, I did like the Bible recap thing um, this past year. And when I got to the book of Lamentations, this is how, <laughs> how little I knew. I didn't realize the book of Lamentations is literally a book of lamenting. Like, hello, like it's right there. I didn't, I never made that connection. I just thought it was some other, you know, old fashioned biblical name. Whole word, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of the other books are. And I didn't realize, but it was one of my favorite books because it's just people lamenting to God about how upset they are. They're not, they're, and it's, and it's done in a, in an honoring way because God wants us to come to him. And I just remember one night in particular, Elijah and I were here in Illinois. Um, I had probably been about a year at that point of trying. I think I'd already gotten the diagnosis. And I just remember like he was trying to talk to me about and like being in a cheery mood. And I was just something was crawling inside of me. And I was just so anxious and upset. Couldn't put my finger on it. But I just remember having to like go into the shower by myself and just wail and and it was probably one of the lowest moments in that span of 18 months. I was just, it was so easy. I had so many friends that had gotten pregnant, like immediately after getting off birth control or, you know, they had actually accidentally gotten pregnant and stuff like that. And it's it's beautiful. I'm so happy for them, but it just takes a toll on your emotions and your soul. And I was just like crying out to God in that shower, just like purely, purely lamenting. And I think that was the closest I've ever felt to him. Mm. And that was amazing to me because I always thought like, oh no, you go to God with just your worship and, and just your joy and, or, or you just ask him to fix your problems or whatever it is. But like, I had never come close to him in a way of like, I am broken and I know that you are my only hope. And I would just think over like that year and a half, still do every day, how do people get through their daily life without God? I don't know. I, I wonder that all the time. Yeah. Blows my mind. I'm like, I have another friend who's not a Christian who's trying to get pregnant um, and j- doesn't know God at all. And, you know, I've tried sharing that part of my life with her and stuff, but it's like, you have so many unanswered questions and you are full of the same fear and pain and disappointment that I was, but you don't have the hope that I did. Mm-hmm. Throughout that whole time, I knew that he had a plan so every negative pregnancy test, every false hope, I could just bring it back to him and just know that like, all right, it just, it's not the time yet. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean it's not hard, but it just meant that underlying the whole situation, underlying and having his hand over it, like I knew that it wasn't time yet. So like the next part of that like journey for us or whatever was, it was August of 2022 and Elijah was supposed to be deployed in October. So we knew we had a couple months or whatever. We weren't really super worried about it. He was going to be gone for the holidays for three months, um, which was a bummer. But I was like, kind of like, okay, hopefully we can get pregnant before he leaves. Like, that would be so great if I could be pregnant and then he could come back and, you know, whatever. We did like, we'd already be on our way and we our timeline wouldn't be delayed. Mm. And so um, 
which is so silly thinking back of like, that's how I was thinking. But anyways, our good friend um, who was supposed to deploy like September 1st, end of August, around that time, broke mm -hmm. his rib and had to be switched with Elijah. So we had three week notice that Elijah was actually going to be deployed end of August instead of October. And our friend who had broken his rib would swap with him and be gone mm. for October. So the panic set in for me. I, I was so hopeful that we were going to be pregnant before he left that I was like, oh my gosh, when was the last time I had a period? When did I ovulate? Like, what's going on? Like, how do I make this happen? So I remember calling the doctor's office being like, can you please schedule me for an appointment with um, this doctor who I had been working with? He never prescribed me those drugs, but like, I want them prescribed now. I want to take them. I want to pick them up. I want to do this. Like, you know, and he had talked about it as like a process that would take a couple months. And mm -hmm. now I'm trying to cram it into three weeks. And I'm like, let's do this. Like, I want to be pregnant <laughs> so bad. It was so stupid. And I remember like being at the window of the women's health clinic, like, can you please get me in? And she's like, I can maybe get you a phone consultation in a couple of days. And it just didn't feel fast enough for me. It was so hard. And I remember leaving that office and I called a friend who I actually hadn't talked to in a long time, told her my situation and was kind of crying about it. She listened and she's like, first of all, she's also a Christian. She's like, first of all, I would never want to be going through my first trimester without a support system, without my husband. Mm -hmm. So even if God willing, you get pregnant before he leaves in the next three weeks, whether it's naturally or via this medication, you're not going to have a good time. Like, mm -hmm. this is not going to be good. And she's like, I know you feel rushed and I know your plan isn't panning out the way you wanted, but just take a second and just maybe imagine what it could be like with him gone, you not pregnant and just enjoying that time. Mm. And it really like, I was like, oh, okay, all right, let me take a big breath here uh, and figure it out. And I actually was able to get a phone consultation with that doctor and I ended up canceling it because I was like, she's right. If by some miracle we get pregnant in the next three weeks, that's great. It was natural and it was supposed to happen, but I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to take this medication. I'm not going to give into the fear that um, has settled like over my heart right now. And so um, I cast that out and we just enjoyed those three weeks before he left, um, didn't get pregnant. And the next three months were so awesome. I mean, when he's here and we're together, all we're, I'm thinking about is like, okay, how do we time this? How do we get pregnant? How do we make this happen? Like, mm. let's try all these different methods, yada, yada. He was gone. There was no way for me to get pregnant, you know? Yeah. Um, he was deployed and he was busy and I was busy and I ended up traveling and seeing family and doing a bunch of things that I could never have done if I was like, had morning sickness or, you know, dealing with the just the initial symptoms of pregnancy and so those three months were actually fantastic and I really do think they were a blessing from God because we just let go of that stress like I didn't have to think about the next time we were going to time intercourse in order to facilitate pregnancy whatever and so it was just really um needed and he gets home first week of December we get to go on like a week vacation that, you know, cause he's given some time off um, of work when he gets back and we went skiing and we just, we just enjoyed each other's company. And then we had the holidays. So we were staying busy and we didn't really like think about it. You know, I'm, I'm sure it was in the back of my mind. Um, cause it's hard not to like 
you know, it's hard to forget about it when it's something you want so desperately. But I know for a fact that I was just happy to have him home and we were just enjoying each other. Yeah. Um, and then first couple weeks of January, I started to think like, okay, you've been home for like a month now. Like, you know, we were on a pretty good regimen before trying a bunch of different things. Like maybe let's get back to it and called my doctor. I had him write out that prescription and it was like really hard because I knew in the back of my head that I just didn't want to do it, but I was giving up hope a little bit. And, um, I just figured like, okay, like what's the harm? We'll just give it a shot. You know, if it doesn't work, mm -hmm. then we'll go back to being natural. And so we got the prescription filled. Elijah went to pick it up because I actually was feeling a little bit sick. Um, and so he brought it home and it was sitting on my bathroom counter. And then I had a cold and um, I think it was like a Tuesday. I really wasn't feeling well and we were going to take it the next day. But I was like, I don't want to take this drug while I'm also sick. Like, let's wait. Yeah. And then I was like, I, it was, um, it was a Tuesday and I was feeling like weird just like, a, I don't know, just a different type of sick, a different type of uncomfortable. And I was like, let's just take a pregnancy test. You know, what's the harm? I've already seen a million negative ones. I might as well see another. And we take one. And I remember Elijah had it with him up on the bathroom counter while I was sitting down in the corner. And he like looked at me and shook his head. And he's like, no, it's a negative. And I was like, all right, well, at least we know now we can take the drug like without any, you know, worries. Mm. Few days went by. Friday night, I was finally feeling better. Um, so we were like, "All right, Saturday is the day we're gonna start taking these um, medications, and we'll go through like the whole process." Again, I wasn't excited for it. I wasn't happy about it. I just like thought that this was the next thing. And um, we stayed up late Friday night. I remember we didn't go to bed till like midnight. And I woke up at five a.m. having to pee. And I never do that ever. Um, I like, you know, and I sleep through the night, never had an issue with that. And so I was like, that's weird. Like the box of pregnancy tests that I bought on Tuesday had two tests. So I was like, complete peace of mind. I'll take one more. Um, and I'll just face the disappointment. I'll face the music, but I will feel a lot safer taking this medication, knowing that I'm not actually pregnant. Mm -hmm. Take it. And the best moment of my life. It was, it said pregnant and I'm sitting there on the toilet at 5am by myself in the dark. And I was like, completely shocked, like beyond shocked. And I just think it is so, I mean, of course, like what, what ensued was hysterical. I immediately went in the bedroom to wake Elijah up um, out of a dead sleep and tell him he was thrilled. We ended up calling our entire family that morning Mm -hmm. which is so crazy because so many people will wait, take a couple more tests or wait some weeks, you know, I didn't yeah. even know how long, far along I was. I called you, you bawled your eyes out. Like, it yeah, was you called me at like 8am on a Saturday morning and I had a missed call from you and I woke up and I was like, okay, well, something's either, something must be really wrong for her to call me 8am on a Saturday. Cause I was not awake when you called me. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not calling her back right now. I'm going to wait a while. So yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, it was a really cool, really cool morning. Um, but I think, I mean, that all beside, obviously the joy continued, but I, I just think just it's so... amazing that it's like yeah. the, the, the day, the morning that you were about to take, start taking this medication to get pregnant, to help you get pregnant, you find out you're pregnant. Like yeah. that to me, like there are no coincidences in the kingdom of God. And if people want to sit there and be like, oh, it's a coincidence. No, are you kidding? That is a 
amazing because you wanted to do this natural pregnancy and there it is. And it's like, you told your whole family that morning and you've had a perfect pregnancy, basically, you know, like no, no health issues is what I mean. Like this whole time, baby's healthy coming into this world in a few weeks, like, and it was the day of you about to take that drug. Yeah. No, seriously. That's like what floors me when I think about it. And I'm like, God really was like, listen, don't lose hope in me. Mm-hmm. Don't lose hope in the promises that I've set for you. Um, it was, it was truly incredible. And I still think it's like one of the coolest moments um, I, I'll ever have to look back on because mm-hmm. 18 months is, is a long time, but it's not as long of a time that I know that a lot of other women and and partners and families like go through um, in order to have a child. And so, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't the time, the time it takes doesn't downplay how hard it can be um, no matter what. But I know that like, I, I just feel so incredibly blessed that like, that's what it took for him to, to show his glory and to show like his plan mm-hmm. for me was um me just continuing to have faith and having the spiritual discernment to know that that wasn't the right move. And I lost hope in some moments, but he showed up anyways. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I love your testimony. Number one, I love just the way that timing worked out. I think that's like just incredible. Um, And I, I also think it's just so important for people to share their testimonies, like you going through this and, um, and having this story to tell is so important for other women, I think to hear, because they, there's a lot of women that go through the same thing. Um, I, I know, I personally know a lot who maybe they've had a miscarriage or they've been trying to get pregnant for a long time and it's just not happening. And, um, this isn't to say, like to condemn anybody to say like, you're doing it wrong or how dare you take medication if if maybe people have done something like that. Um, again, like we mentioned, it's just that spiritual discernment of what do you, what is the Lord leading you to do? Um, but yeah, that's why Leah, I, I really wanted you to share this because I think people need to hear it and it's a hard thing to go through. So I want my friends or just anybody listening to know that like, it's not a process that they have to go through by themselves and they're not alone. Um, people like you have experienced these difficult things. So, and then now that you've overcome that to see like how the Lord has blessed you so much and it like, that's the point is that it gives him glory. And that's, that's why we share our testimonies to overcome, to help others overcome and to give God all the glory for that. So yeah. I think it's a very special thing, um, you know, sharing your story and your journey. So I hope this is not the only time you do it. So now I want to kind of transition into talking a little bit about what you've been learning and mostly through that book, right? Or so a couple books and some resources that you've been, um, that you have, but Leah, the other night was talking to me. I mean, when it comes to pregnancy stuff, I know nothing. Like women will be like, oh yes, I, I don't want to get an epidural when I'm in labor. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but you do you. But anyway, so I don't know anything really. And Leah was telling me 
a lot of cool information um, and stuff that you don't normally hear. Like if you go to a hospital and talk to these, a lot of these nurses or midwives or whoever. Um, so what, what's the, what are, I guess, start off with like your resources that you're learning from. Yeah. Um, and what's cool is like all these resources have been shared with me via other people, you know, it's all word of mouth. Um, something that was shared on social media, things like that. And I'm a pretty stubborn person typically. Like I don't really like taking advice from other people, which is not a very good quality, but, um, it's been a season of life where I know that I know little to nothing about pregnancy, about delivery, about labor, et cetera. So I've just been trying to be very open-minded mm. and I'm very glad I have been because there's a couple different resources that were shared. The first one that I started looking into was a woman on um, Instagram. I forget her name, but her <laughs> account is pain-free birth. And that just sounds like an oxymoron. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, one of my, and I remember telling Elijah and a couple friends when I first found out, they're like, how do you feel about everything? And I was like, I'm terrified to give birth. Like mm. that has always been like, oh, let me just get through it. Um, I have two very great friends and one of them, she approached labor as like, I'm gonna, I just wanna see what my body can do. And that's, I kind of really liked that perspective. Like I'm totally open to drugs, totally open to that, but like a woman's body is so cool and so powerful. Mm. Let's just see what my body can do. So I've never been, I knew that epidurals and drugs are always available. I've never been the kind of person before, even before I was pregnant to be like, oh yeah, give me the drugs. But I have always just been open to it, knowing that I have no idea what it's going to be like. But this woman on Instagram, pain-free birth, and it is, the stories are incredible. And the science behind how your body labors is something I never knew either. And basically the, the synopsis of it is, you can't look at your uterus like this weak thing that, mm. or even all the muscles down there, you can't look at it as this, these weak things that tear and um, struggle and are just in pain the whole time. Because if you look at it like that, you're not doing any justice to what your body has just been doing the past nine months. I mean, you just grew a child and now <laughs> your body's about to get the child out of you, which it's supposed to do. And the general feeling is like, this is the worst part, but it doesn't have to be. And so when I started looking into it, I was like, mm, even though I might not believe all of this, or I'm very skeptical, if there is a chance that I can have a quote unquote pain-free birth, I'm going to do everything I can to get it. You yeah. know? Cause you don't hear that ever. No. Like pain-free <laughs> birth. You think immediately, oh, well you were pro probably all drugged up, not mm -hmm. a pain-free natural birth. Yeah. You don't hear that very often at all. So and I, also I knew that like, I'm blessed to come from a mother who had multiple unmedicated births, two of which were at home, one of which was unassisted. Mm -hmm. um, that's so cool. Like that, that's a testimony in itself. She's a beast. <laughs> <laughs> but even when I brought up pain-free birth to her, she laughed, mom yeah. laughed. She did not think that it was a real thing either. So basically your uterus is the strongest muscle in the body. Um, from what I've learned, it sounds like it's the strongest muscle in either a man or a woman's body, which is incredible. And so you could rub that mm. in your husband's face yeah. next time you see him. Exactly. But it's, it, I mean, not only is it capable of stretching and growing within your body, but it's capable of pulsing and contracting to get the baby out. Right. And so 
if you treat your uterus like a muscle, you can think of labor as a workout rather than um, a struggle or something to dread. And so when a, when a uterus is contracting, it's basically like you taking your arm and lifting and a weight and doing a bicep curl. That shouldn't hurt when you're working out, when you're lifting weights, it doesn't hurt. So therefore a uterus contracting is the same thing as a bicep contracting. It doesn't need to hurt, mm. but I mean, look at the media, look at the books, the movies, the TV shows, the testimonies that you hear about people and or about women giving birth. And it's terrifying. It's all screaming. It's all, you know, anger and pain. And so that's just what we believe that birth is. It's women laying on their back with their feet in stirrups, screaming at their husbands to get them some ice chips and the doctor there telling them that they need to have a C-section or we need to get this baby out now. It's just very scary. And it's very it feels like a panicked situation. Yeah. Well, you said it, they treat it like an emergency. Yes. So doctors are trained to manage labor. That's just what they, and that like they're trained very well to do so. Um, but they treat birth as an emergency. And that is so funny if you just stop and think about it. Millions of babies are born <laughs> every single day, thousands yeah. every minute. And birth is an emergency. Like, how does that? make any sense at all. And so I learned that it wasn't until like the mid 1900s that hospital births became pos uh, popular. It was after the Great Depression, after World War II, it was the it was the clean proper way to do things. Mm. It wasn't messy, women could still look like beautiful housewives and have their babies in hospitals and bring them home and be clean and tidy. And that was marketed that way because insurance companies realized that they could capitalize on hospital births when women were having babies at home it was a fraction of the cost maybe you're paying a midwife and you're paying her directly versus an insurance company is raking it in from the hospital fees um from the drugs that they have available from the procedures from the doctors etc and so that started the trend and so you know when you hit mom's era 1990s 80s and she decides mm -hmm. to have a home birth it was radical mm -hmm. nowadays i'm very grateful to see that there's so many women transitioning back and this isn't saying that like hospital births are bad. I am, right. let me get it out. I am planning on having my baby at the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, if if the baby wants to come swiftly and it comes on the way to the hospital, amazing. <laughs> like doesn't need to be there, but that is what our plan is. Um, I would love to do a home birth eventually, but mm -hmm. just for the season of life that we're in and the home we're living in, it's just best for us to do it there. So hospital births are not evil or bad, but there is so much knowledge that women can have going into that labor and delivery room that gives you power. Like mm -hmm. my, my midwife at my hospital was amazing. She was an answer to prayer and really, um, comforted me. She said, knowledge is power. Like when you walk into that labor and delivery room and you know how you want that birth to go it, you know, hold it with an open hand because God might have different plans for you, but you can go in there with a plan and with priorities, you know, certain things that you want to happen. And mm -hmm. the more, basically what I've learned is just the more a doctor intervenes and manages a woman in labor, the more she will need to be managed because the fear sets in and you're unsure of your body. And when the doctor tells you that you're not, um, laboring on the right timeline or it's not happening fast enough or the baby's heartbeat is dropping like all these things the first instinct is to trust that person that professional that's telling you that but the resources that i've been looking into tell you 
to not let that fear take over your intuition because women have been giving birth for thousands of years and we are the only ones connected to that baby. Mm -hmm. A heart monitor set up in your hospital room can't tell you what this baby's status is. It, it is not accurate enough. The doctor can't tell you that you're not dilated enough. Uh, like no one can tell you what your body can. And so um, while doctors and nurses are essential in so many different ways, and while they're an incredible support system, you also need to rely on God's truth and your body's truth. And mm -hmm. so those are the big things I've been learning. Um, the other resource that I've had that's taught me a lot is a book that actually my wonderful sister Kelsey here sent me mm -hmm. because she had heard from her friends who read it that it was transformational and they learned so much about spiritual birth and about um, just having a delivery that is you know, honoring to God and honoring to your body and just peaceful. And so it's called the know-how book on birth, right? Sure. Who's it? You you're reading it. <laughs> I know, but you know, you're like reading yeah. a book and you never remember the title. <clears throat> yeah. I think it is the know-how book on birth. It's, it's written by a pastor's wife who from Ohio, um, her name is Drenda Cassie and they are, they're amazing pastors. John and I can advocate for them. Uh, we've listened to a lot of their stuff in the past. They know what they're talking about. Uh, they're extremely biblical based, faith based. Um, something that her husband, their pastor, Gary, always says that I loved was he encourages people to be a spiritual scientist, meaning that's kind of like his little phrase, meaning that if you're sitting, you know, if you're listening to a pastor preach and they tell you whatever it is they're telling you, uh, yes, you, we have spiritual discernment, but you don't just believe what they're saying just because they have the label pastor because there are pastors out there that say things that are cocky duty and you're <laughs> like uh, okay this is not what the bible says so he basically encourages even his own members to just because i say something because i'm a pastor don't take my word for it go to the bible yourself be get dig into the word and be a quote-unquote scientist researcher on what I'm saying and use that spiritual discernment. So anyways, they're a great uh, couple. She wrote this book. She had five kids herself. Um, and it's, yeah, like Leah said, from what I've heard from my friends who have kids, they read it and it completely flipped their perspective upside down on hospital births or even home births. Um, mm -hmm. And it's very faith-based, obviously. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. the center of it. It's not mm -hmm. like if you're looking for specific technical um, uh, methods. She definitely shares a lot of super helpful things like breathing exercises and positions to move into and things like that. But it is 99% spiritual. Mm -hmm. She, in I think what is, it's almost shocking when you're reading it, her confidence, mm, you know, she yes, is, she, it's not like a wishy-washy, like, well, if you pray this, it might happen. Or if you have this type of faith, you, you could see this. She mm -hmm. is so confident in the fact that when you have God with you during that labor process and you have scripture memorized, you have a plan with him and you're leaning on him entirely, she is 100% confident that it will go the way yep. that it's supposed to and the way that God has ordained. And you kind of said, didn't you mention that from reading this book, you learned through her um, writing that like uh, the words you say are very important, like how you're speaking yes. over whatever's going on yeah. in the situation. The first section of the book is actually about infertility and miscarriage, which I think is really beautiful because 
not only is it a good resource for a pregnant woman who's about to endure labor, but it's also resourceful for women who have had miscarriages or are dealing mm -hmm. with infertility in that moment. Um, their prayers against that. And so specific, very specific yeah. prayers about how, like how to pray over your child and your body. Um, and one simple thing was that it's, it's like a very confident, shocking sentence, but I've been repeating it over and over whenever I have doubts and fears is this baby will live and not die and it will declare the works of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's so simple. It's so confident. And it's like, especially in the first trimester when there is so much fear and doubt, um, about like whether this baby's going to live and if it's going to be a viable pregnancy, et cetera. I hate that word. Yeah, viable. I know. My, my first ever appointment was so early on because we found out so early that my, my, the doctor, he kept repeating, it's not viable just yet. And we, there's no heartbeat. So it's not viable just yet. And I was so frustrated it's with like that cringy. word. I was like, stop like, saying yeah. it's, this is a life. This is like right. a baby. This is everything we've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. I understand the science of it, but viable Yes, you, you, your baby, and that, and your body are viable. So, anyways, mm -hmm. um, but there is a lot of fear in that first trimester. And so, when I started reading that book, um, it was towards the tail end of my first trimester, and I was almost to that like finish line. They say where you can start announcing to the world, which I'm so glad I told my family right away. Me too. No matter I'm very what, glad. God forbid that tragedy strikes, I have my family with mm -hmm. me um, in that support system. But I kept repeating that anytime, anytime. I voiced or even thought a fear about my baby not living. I'd say, you know what? Nope, this baby will live and not die and it will declare the works of the Lord. Yep. It's just a promise you're speaking over yourself that like God has um, given you those the power of your words. And so mm -hmm. one um, verse that's really relevant is Proverbs 18, 21. Life and mm -hmm. death are in the power of the tongue and those that speak it love its fruit. And I've really accepted that in my heart as truth. Yes. And so I don't speak any illness or fear over my child and fear. I guess I can say it this way. I have fear. Every natural human being has fear, but what I don't let that fear do is direct and control my actions and thoughts. And so <laughs> well, because we have the authority to take, yes. to pull that fear down and not allow it. And that's the thing. It's yeah, you could allow anyone could allow fear to just overtake them um, you know, affect their actions, affect, uh, their thoughts. You can every mm -hmm. day we have that choice, but we, as, as believers with the Holy spirit inside of us, we have the authority to, to take, cause it's a spirit. So we have authority over that spirit. So it's when fear comes on you, what do you do with it? It's yep. a choice. Mm -hmm. And that's with anything in life. Like right. if anger comes over you, what do you do with it? Do you let it control yourself, et cetera? So God, you should ever be ashamed of your fear. God gave us the ability to feel that emotion and that spirit for a reason so that we can direct it to him and give it back to him because he'll take that from us. So um, I, I have had fear and I have all those, but this, this book is just really beautiful because it's taught you to like, just not let that guide your plan for your labor. And so what's really cool is it ties back into the um, pain-free birth lady that I follow on Instagram. The science behind why labor is painful is there's a pain-fear cycle. You know that, okay, labor is supposed to be painful. So you're obviously going to be fearful of that. No one wants mm -hmm. to feel pain, you right. know, so you're afraid of it. And when you're afraid of it, 
you tense up, your body has natural subconscious reactions to that fear that are really hard to control when you let fear overtake you. Mm. Therefore, when you are tense and you are um, uh, uncomfortable and you're you're dreading what's coming, that contraction hits, your body is not prepared to feel at ease or work its way through it as it's naturally supposed to. That's why physical pain sets in. Mm. And I use the example of, um, unfortunately, in car crashes, if someone is under the influence and they get in an accident, if they're heavily under the influence, they can pass out or whatever. Someone who is passed out behind a wheel, their bones and their muscles are relaxed. Therefore, they won't have as many injuries. If someone is sober and alert behind the wheel of a vehicle and they get an accident, their body's tense, their muscles can more easily tear, their bones can break. Same kind of concept with your uterus. If you if you are tense and fearful, the pain is more readily going to hit. Yeah. And so um, that's just like a simple science that I've learned. So there's so many different technical ways to breathe through the pain and um, speak scripture over your fear so that that dissipates before contractions hit. And that's mm. why women can literally have pain-free labor. Yeah. And then when it comes it's to the pushing, People fear the pushing the most, but what I've learned is it's the contractions that are the mm. worst. And when you're getting to the pushing point, like that's what your body's naturally supposed to do. It's been opening up this whole time. And so when you're breathing through those contractions, your body's, you're allowing it to, to open up more fluidly or more relaxed. And so it makes your entire labor process easier. I will also preface, I have not had a baby yet, <laughs> so I might be completely cuckoo, but all I these mean, women who are moms are like, okay, Leah. Exactly. Yeah. And no, and but, that's what even what mom said too. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of these things, you're reading, you're getting this information from people who have had babies. Yeah. So sure, you might not be speaking from personal experience, but and it when you do break it down like that, it kind of makes sense. It's like, like you said, your uterus is a muscle. So it's going through that contracting. Mm -hmm. um cycle like, like a muscle in your arm or whatever and but then when when you were telling this to me the other night i was like well what about the part where you know the baby's coming out of your <laughs> vagina and your vagina is like stretching 18 centimeters wide i don't know <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like and then <clears throat> you what did you tell me <clears throat> well, I said that like the whole point of contractions is to, and excuse me, because technical terms um, are not, we are not uh, doctors, yeah, we're case, no. you know? but like the whole time that you're contracting that, uh, is it the canal? What is it? It, it opens sure. up while you're contracting. And so the baby is slowly pushing forward. So it's not like a balloon where if you have a deflated balloon and you just like take the end of it and you just open it up really wide. That's not what is happening. You're the entire process is the baby slowly opening up the canal, which why can't I remember the term? Um, and so by the time it gets to the very end, that whole area has been naturally stretched. And so it's like, why would our bodies, why would we be fearful of something that happens all the time and that we're women are physically designed built to, to do yeah we are designed to do this and so um i will also say that pain-free does not mean struggle-free it does not mean it's going to be easy I, all the resources i've read that that plug pain-free birth and talk about spiritual birth all these things don't say like oh this is blissful entirely there's no hard work involved it is a marathon it's a workout it is a workout yeah. 
And it is one of the hardest things that your body will ever do, but it does not have to be painful. You'll mm. feel pressure, you'll feel exhaustion, you'll feel strain, but you don't need to feel pain, which I think is amazing. Mm. And both resources have talked about the curse that God put on Eden and the garden. So a lot of older women um, have like questioned this woman on Instagram and said like, well, there's not even older women, probably women of all ages that, you know, they read the story of Adam and Eve. Say Eden. I said Eden. Yeah, but oh, he, okay. he did curse the garden. I know, but know. Um, he, the, the curse that he put on Eve in the garden says that, you know, women are cursed to have pain and labor. And that was one of my things when I first started looking into it. And I was like, yeah, wait, that's true. Is that going, am I going against biblical truth by saying that? <laughs> How dare you have, not a pain? have pain? <laughs> yeah, literally. But then when you think about it, the, just that way, it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because God never wants us to be in pain, physical, emotional, otherwise, you know, he walks with us through it, but it's not something that he wants for us. us. Yeah. yeah. So, but what this woman talked about is the simple truth that when Jesus died on the cross, like you were saying earlier, um, he took so much more than our sins. He released that curse. He mm -hmm. fulfilled it. He it's a, fulfilled we have a the new, curse. Yeah, we have a new covenant. Yes, we have a yeah. brand new covenant with God. And so the, the curse that happened in the Garden of Eden doesn't fall on our shoulders. And so women don't have to have painful labor. It is absolutely possible that with all the preparation you do, spiritual, physical, otherwise, that you will still experience pain. And that's a lot of these women's testimonies that's just because again, it is one of the hardest things you will ever do. And mm. so, um, and if you are experiencing pain, God's with you holding your hand throughout that experience. And so we might have an entirely different podcast if you have me back. And I know year, I'm like, you know? I really, I was about to, I was thinking about, it. I'm like, we're going to have Leah back after October. Cause she's due October 3rd, right? Yes. October 3rd. Um, so she's about five months along. I'm oh, a little over five and a half. I'm okay. 23 weeks actually today. Oh, oh yes. We're supposed <sighs> to have a party. Congratulations. We are. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just love celebrating things, but, um, so yeah, we're going to have up. her back in November and we're going to be like, so how'd it go? <laughs> was I ignorant or was I speaking God's truth? Uh, you know, no, but, but I think, I mean, there's, you can get a resource out there on anything about anything everywhere, right? We have, we have so much information right at our fingertips. So yeah. yes, of course there's resources out there that are like wonky and you're like, and eh, this person's probably smoking crack and I don't, I, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's not to say that like, you know, like you said, this isn't from personal experience. This is what you've read from people who have gone through it or, who are, um, they, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. So, and I'm just, I mean, I'm speaking to the women who are in my position as well, or, I mean, maybe you've had kids and you have had traumatic birth experiences and you want something different for your next child. You know, mm -hmm. there's no, just because you've had trauma in your past does not mean mm -hmm. that you can't have a peaceful birth for your next child. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like my expectations, I'm setting them high. I'm setting them high because I know that God is capable of fulfilling a peaceful birth for me. I I don't want to bring my kid um, into this world with screaming and pain and trauma and bright lights and, and stress because that has to have an effect on them, you know, in the long run. And so the testimonies of the women that I've been reading are incredible. And the the consensus is that when you go in with a plan, when you go in with intentionality and 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 power behind with the knowledge that you have, you can facilitate a birth mm -hmm. that like God wants for you. 
Um, and so I, I just want to speak to like the women who are pregnant right now and who have only ever heard, Oh, let me tell you about my traumatic birth story or, Oh, mm -hmm. let me tell you about how awful my last kid was. You know, there is so much fear out there and it's easy to be like, well, yeah, I'm just dreading this I, for the next nine months of, you know, when you find out you're pregnant, you're just dreading yeah. birth instead of preparing for it. Mm -hmm. And I just want to do it differently. Um, it might not be the most common thing. People might roll their eyes at me. People might scoff. Like I don't really like to talk about it with women I just meet because I want them to know the, how, what it's possible. Like if I want to share my, my knowledge, but I also don't need them scoffing at me and doubting me because that doubt will, you know, like that adds up and that could set in if I don't continue to pray against that. So I think the pain-free birth lady says zip up when someone <laughs> wants to tell you their traumatic birth story, just say, I am so sorry that has happened to you, but it's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. And that's not mean. It's not rude. It's not you dissing them and their experience. It's just saying that that doesn't need to be your story. Yeah. And so, well, it's the same thing when I was getting, when I was engaged and people would be like, Oh, don't even don't get married. They, their advice to me was yeah. don't get married. Don't do it. Ugh, I've been through three husbands or this was my, Oh gosh, my husband is so annoying. We've been married for 40 years. And I'm like, yeah, well, there's obviously something wrong with you because if you've been through three guys, like, or whatever it is, cause, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, and you hear it all the time. Like, Ugh, I went through a horrible divorce. Congratulations, Karen. I, it's not going to happen to me. Oh, okay. Like, no. So yeah. it's and it great advice. People say, oh, don't have kids. It ruins your marriage. Yeah. That was the one thing I was so terrified of. Yeah. When I was going through what we were going through and we did tell like our friends in our church and people, local people around us that we were trying, we just like wanted to surprise the family. So we didn't tell family for a long time. People would say like, oh, don't have kids or, oh, mm -hmm. you're so young. It's okay. I hated mm -hmm. when people said, um, oh, you're young. Don't worry about it. While we're in the midst of a heartbreaking struggle of wanting to be pregnant. I know I'm young. So I'm <laughs> going to say that again. I know I am young. I know I decided to have kids young. I did it on purpose. Because, well, you got married at 21 too, yeah. which is, that's considered young for people. Exactly. So. But it's just like, I want to be a young mom. That yeah. was my goal. And so that wasn't like a very big comfort when people said, Oh, you're young. You're fine. Yeah. You got time. Like live out your twenties or don't, like, you know, okay. I'm like, what am I going to do? Go clubbing? Go to the like, bar every night. Know. Jeez. Um, and so I, like, I, I've always wanted to start a family young and, um, I didn't really like want to listen to people when they gave me that type of advice, because then I was like, Oh, you're right. I don't really need to, I don't know. Really, I guess I, I, you know, obviously, yeah, it's wonderful. I don't have to worry about my timing, my eggs, that kind of fertility issues, but I was struggling with fertility in that moment. And so mm. it wasn't a big comfort or when people just said like, Oh, well, the longer you don't have kids, the better your marriage will be. And I want to speak against that forever. I mm -hmm. mean, obviously kids change your marriage. They put a strain on things financially, emotionally, et cetera. But the beauty that comes from having a family to me is well worth it. And mm -hmm. obviously I haven't, well, it's God design. Anything yeah. God designed is well, worth isn't it. to bring you misery. And that we as humans can turn it into that. Like, yeah, we, we can turn it into having a crappy marriage or our kids are a burden on us and we're, you know, they just suck out our bank account and it, but it doesn't have to be that way. No. So anything God designed is not meant to be a burden or miserable. Yeah. And so 
like I said before, life and death are in the power of the tongue and those that speak it love its fruit. So if I'm going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm dreading, like my husband and I are going to have such a hard time and oh, it's going to put such mm -hmm. a strain on our Then marriage, you will. Then I will. Right. I, I, whatever you speak and whatever you believe will come to be. Like mm -hmm. that is what's going to come to pass. So if you don't have the faith that you and your husband can make a beautiful marriage out of being parents, mm -hmm. then it's not going to happen. So you have to believe it. You have to speak it and you have to work for it too, you know, and yeah. you're not going to work for something if you're constantly speaking against it. And, if it's not worth yeah. working for. Mm -hmm. Right. That's very true. So we're going to wrap things up here, but, uh, before we do, I have one more question for Leah, I think. Um, what so you you and elijah are preparing now to be new parents this is brand new for you you'll be parents physically in october um is there anything you and like i don't know any last advice you would give to new parents or prepare like as you're in this process of preparing in the middle of pregnancy like just as a married couple is there anything that has already changed in your dynamic of marriage and your relationship or um you know something you're most excited about just one what would you leave all these fans with <laughs> one last tidbit um i guess what's cool is i mean my husband's awesome um he is the most calm patient person you'll ever meet in your life yes. super easygoing and so he's not all about deep talks like <laughs> I have all these or talks at all. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't talk. I have all these thoughts, emotions, and fears, and uh, like ideas and whatever that I'm just like working through. I'm a verbal processor. Um, no. So uh, the more I talk out loud, the better I can like work through things emotionally or whatever. And he is just this like solid rock. And so I'm like, are, you know, are you you're gonna be a dad? How are you <laughs> feeling about it? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, it's uh pretty crazy, and so it's like <laughs> it. I, it's hard to, to like pull things out of them. Um, but I, it's it's funny because you're asking me this, and I'm thinking I have been preparing more for just giving birth than actually being a mom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I'm just trusting that God's gonna help me out every step of the way. Um, our cousins actually gave us a book about like it's called like the best baby on the block or something, and they recommended that he read it. Not like first, you know, so he can really help me out. And so I just want him to be my team member. Um, we've always been a team that we always go back to that. Like, you know, whenever we're having issues, we say, you know, we're a team, we're a team. And so he's reading this book and I just want him to be as involved as possible. I don't want him yeah. to be as involved as he wants to be because initially he might not want to be, might be really scared or worried. He's going to mess things up. He just men simply which I think this is biblical truth as well, just don't have the same intuition that women were blessed with when it comes to kids. I think that fathers are incredible and they're vital and they have so much skill and love to give to their children. But I think that God blessed women with an intuition for a reason. I mean, if you think about it, it's also a physical connection. We carried mm -hmm. these kids for nine months. And so we're obviously going to be more connected to them. Um, and so, but I want Elijah to just prepare himself as much as he can. And so if it were up to him, he'd be like, yeah, let's just see how it goes. You know, <laughs> he keeps saying, he's like, you, you can't prepare for a child. And I'm like, you can never be perfectly ready for a child, but you totally can prepare. Yeah. But he started reading this book and he's really liked it. He, I think it's kind of what 
my midwife was telling me knowledge is power. And he mm. might, I think he's feeling a, a little bit more empowered now that he's also doing research and looking into how to help and be this, you know, the parent, the other parent, it's not, he's not helping out. He's also doing his job mm. as the baby's father. So, um, a lot of people, when they meet us or when we see people in public, they'll ask me, how are you feeling? You're going to be a mom, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll just be like, punch him on the shoulder and say, how about you? You're going to be a dad. You scared. And it's like, geez, you know, <laughs> scared. I would just say, build your husband up, build him up, build him up. Um, Elijah, I think does have a lot of deep set fears about being a father. And I just want him to be encouraged and know that he can prepare for this. So the same way that I'm preparing for the birth. You know, I might have more intuition about what the baby needs when it's crying and the fact that he can now prepare to learn about how to care for his child too mm. is huge. So that's just the one thing I'd say is like, I'm building him up. I'm always telling him how he's going to be a great dad and how he's going to be so helpful and how mm. I'm going to need him and the baby's going to need him versus just the brush him off. Like I got this, you, you just clean the house and, and cook me meals for three months or whatever, paycheck. or like get the yeah. yeah, go back to work yeah. so I can be alone with the baby. I don't want that. I don't want to be alone. I'm terrified mm -hmm. too, you know, and I well, want it should him to be, be a there. team. It should be a team effort. There's yeah. a reason. There's a reason why, like a lot of kids who didn't grow up with their dads, not everybody like John didn't have his dad around when he was growing up. And I think he's perfect. Yeah, he's phenomenal. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of kids out there that unfortunately didn't have a dad or, you know, a mom or, and, you can see a difference in a lot of kids just in general when they have a father figure versus when they don't. Mm -hmm. And so they need their, they need their dad to be involved in their lives. Um, and so it's, it's a team effort for yeah. sure. Just, I think it's, he's it's an equal felt, team effort. He's always felt excited for the kid part. He's, he's so active. He's just, yeah. he's very similar to our dad in the sense mm -hmm. that like, he's ready to be outside with the kids and playing and throwing them around and yeah but the baby stuff i think scares him the most but now that he's gaining knowledge and he's feeling empowered and we're praying over him and he's he's mentally emotionally and spiritually preparing to be mm. a dad as well it's been really cool um that is cool talking to him about that stuff that's but a fun season to it is like, it's very different. weird yeah and also i had a friend say i cannot wait to get this baby out of me i am because she's pregnant too and she's like i just want to be a mom i just want to have it here and obviously i am so excited to meet this kid we actually don't know the gender we're surprising mm. ourselves and everything oh, yeah. so it's like i am so excited to meet this baby name it raise it etc but i also am like i don't want to rush it i mm. have you know about five-ish months left and i want to treasure this time with elijah and i because it's the it's the last time it will just be us mm -hmm. in our life with you know our little family so i'm trying to treasure this time i'm trying not to like you know, dread every day until the baby gets here. I'm not, I'm trying not to like, just keep pushing forward to that day. I want to really enjoy it. Yeah. So I guess it's another so thing. exciting. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Well, I hope everyone's enjoyed this segment of baby stuff. Yeah. I know it's not something I can personally speak on myself. So I definitely wanted to have someone here who could. And I think Leah is the perfect person to do that. And she is an amazing human anyways, uh -huh. just all around. So um, before we hopped off, we did want to give you access to those resources that we talked about. Um, we we did just look them up. So you're <laughs> welcome. We are just such prepared people. 
But um, so the Instagram that yeah. you were talking about. It is pain. It's at pain free birth. And it's her name is uh, Karen Welton. And she's hysterical and funny. And she has like a course that I'm actually going to be taking um, that you could pay for mm. and stuff like that. She's a doula. She's um, an a Christian. An Abdullah. She's a spiritual advocate. She's incredible. And so she has her perspective is a Christian one and her teachings are not only scientific, but also just so encouraging. And mm -hmm. I mean, the videos that she posts are, are graphic and they are real and they are literal women giving birth and they are babies right after they come out. It is. So if you're squeamish, and don't you're, be, don't be, <laughs> yeah. it's beautiful and it's natural. Obviously it's, it's just real. And so, um, oh my gosh, so many of my friends, I'm looking at her. Yeah, that's awesome. Look like at that. Erica, Mora, love you. Tatiana, Kiana, Caitlin, Savannah. girls, you Grace are awesome. Little page, yeah. So you're already on top of it. We don't, didn't even yes. need to, to mention that, but, um, for those of you who don't follow her, I'm going to follow her. Yeah. Why not? Look at that. Um, you get some really, really cool birth stories and videos. I mean, maybe you'll be on. They do not way. show. Oh goodness. What's happening. Stuff that they do not show in you know, normal Anywhere. labor classes. Like this is really cool. So yeah. she's really funny. She gives a lot of, and it's, it's, um, the other resource that we talked about was the book. Um, yeah, that's, isn't that cool? We're looking at a picture of a baby and it didn't break its amniotic sack. What? The, yeah. It's still in the sack after it's born. <laughs> so isn't that cool? You gotta check it out. Pain-free birth oh, on Instagram. Crazy. Um, she has a really great course. If you are pregnant, I'm planning on taking it. There's another one. Um, Whoa. and she just flips labor on its head. She tells you that's uh. one of the coolest videos. That one, it's one of the coolest things because she tells you that birth does not need to be what you've heard from mm. everyone else. And so anyways, and the then the book we were talking about, um, the know how book on birth, right? Yeah. By Drenda Cassie. So it's a little, um, I, I guess it's on Amazon. It's a little more expensive on Amazon if you care about that. But if you go to the website, GaryCassie.com, Gary, G-A-R-Y-K-E-E-S-E-E.com. That's his uh, ministry's website. And then you just go right to the shop button and another link will pull up with all of his books or CDs that he has. In the search bar, just type in birth or the know-how book on birth uh, and it'll pop right up. It's $20. Um, if you need help, reach out to us, to me, to Leah, whatever. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think that those are great resources and yeah, there's obviously thousands more out there that are great too. So yeah, but these just, both of these women, um, speak complete and utter confidence in how God can, you know, facilitate your birth. There's mm -hmm. no question about it. Like Kelsey and I were chatting before, um, it's it's there's no question in the faith that you have that god's going to help facilitate mm -hmm. um uh, a trauma-free labor and a trauma-free birth and so it's really really cool it's shocking when you first get into it and it's like wow these people are so confident in what they're talking about but it builds your faith too that it is all possible through the hands of god right yep that's what faith is confident assurance yeah well Thanks, Leah, for being Thank on here. Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> I know Leah has a tough time talking and getting out of her shell, oh, obviously. Yeah. But she's super shy. Super introverted. As you can <laughs> see, yeah. All of us kids are just like, you know, very, very shy. Um, but yeah. yeah, I hope everyone's enjoyed it. I'd love to have Leah back again sometime. Maybe when the babe is born, we can find out the gender because none of us know. So 
We don't know. We don't know names. Nada. Nothing. nothing. We know one thing. There's one thing we know. I will be the favorite aunt. <laughs> there's <laughs> no question about yeah, that. Yeah, there's so. um, no question. She's got some competition, but Kelsey, again, has that confidence. There thing. is no competition, Leah. Come on. Yeah, no, not with the multitudes no. of sisters that we have in this family. <laughs> um cool well everyone i hope you enjoy your day your week uh i love you very much i'm praying for you and you go tackle that pregnancy stuff you go be a daughter of of god you go make a baby all right now get get go make a baby